Well, just like that, it is Friday already here on the Speaking For Him podcast. Thanks for kicking off your weekend with us. It is Andrew Gamison, along with myself, Adam McNutt, with an all-new episode for you. All right, Adam, you kind of switched up the intro there. <laughs> I, I was feeling uh, I was feeling daring today. But I, I <laughs> still have trouble with the end sometimes. <laughs> Tripping over my tongue, even with as many episodes as we've done together. So I'm right there with you. But anyway, um, all that to say, this extra shenanigans, to say <laughs> that it is Friday again, and we're here for our first book club episode of 2017. And that is hard to believe, uh, because, but these first, the first books always take a while, uh, because they are classics. And uh, so, but I'm very excited that we are going to be uh, reviewing the book Robinson Crusoe. And I have a very interesting story to share about that. But first, um, Naomi, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Um, Adam, why don't you um, start us out with our quote of the day? I'm going to have a little paragraph of the day here for you. Now, I, I look back upon my life with such horror and my sins appeared so dreadful <coughs> that my soul sought nothing of God but deliverance from the load of guilt that bore down all of my comfort. As for my solitary life, it was nothing. I did not so much as pray to be de- delivered from it or think of it. It was all of no consideration in comparison to this. And I add this part here to hint to whoever shall read it that whenever they come to a true sense of things, they will find deliverance from sin, a much greater blessing than deliverance from affliction. And that's from the book that we'll be talking about today, Robinson Crusoe. Yes, it is. I hope that you did not uh, hear that coughing fit that I just engaged in. But just in case you did, I want to throw out there that um, I'm not dying. <laughs> that's good. But I just had to grab my water there. So you're so. doing uh, theatrical radio for what well, it sounded like when they got on off the boat onto the Once beach, again, right? uh, trying to be real here, mainly because I want to make it easy for Adam and not have to edit too much, but also because that's been a commitment that I made ever since the, the show began. That I want to be able to project that we're not perfect, but we... We know who is, and we're seeking to follow him. And as I um, started planning for the book club for this year, I had watched a show. I watched a sermon when I was homesick. I think it was in February or March, I want to say. And um, I watched um, this show called Walk in the Word with, with Pastor McDonald. And he read a portion of Robinson Crusoe, and I'm going to read that portion for you in a little bit. But that set me off on this quest to read this book. And you may have thought from the opening quote that we were reading Pilgrim's Progress, because really I saw a lot of parallels between the two. I didn't think I would, but I did, and so I'm very grateful to have read it. And I wholeheartedly recommend it. But Naomi, why don't you give us some of your initial thoughts and just give us a little bit of an introduction to Robinson Crusoe. Sure. Well, honestly, when I first started listening to it up until about Chapter 6, it reminded me of Castaway with Tom Hanks. (laughs) Because he's like, has, um, 
I mean, other than that, in the beginning, he wants to go out to sea. Um, but, yeah, that very beginning, the survival part. Um, and I thought it was interesting that when he first gets um, stuck on the island, he starts to think of all the things his dad has said. And um, in a way, he repents the rebellion he had toward his dad, and I thought that was interesting. And then just a quick little thing that I thought was neat was, this was written in... 1719, um, which was only about a little less than 40 years after Pilgrim's Progress. So um, what I thought was interesting about that is John Bunyan was put in jail. (laughs) How much England had changed um, that they loved this book, you know, the Robinson Crusoe. Like, they were more open to Jesus Christ and the true story of salvation rather than following uh, what the church said. Yeah, I I find that interesting too. And it kind of goes along with the story of William Wilberforce because you realize with William Wilberforce, he was was contemplating around the same time period whether to be involved in Parliament or whether to preach the gospel. And Mm -hmm. he decided that he could do both um, and that he needed to do both. And as a result, uh, slavery was ended in Great Britain about 80 years before it was ended in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. fi- I find that very interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, th- this was definitely a much deeper book than I thought when I picked it up. Even even as I picked yeah. it up, I thought that this p- portion that I'm going to read in a few minutes was the only, really the only portion that pointed to God. But he, in that opening uh, quote that we read, he talks about, dealing with his sin and how being forgiven of his sin was much better than being delivered from his loneliness. Yeah. And so for a, for a book like Robinson Crusoe to have that kind of truth in it is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, um, what, I'm just going to go into the next question. What, what do you think is the biggest lesson of this book, Naomi? Um, I think it is um, redemption, because not only is his soul redeemed, but then later, of course, he is saved from the island, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but I think that that's really it, is, uh, is one simple word, is redemption. Oh, absolutely. And um, like you said, you know, he kind of realizes that even though it was okay, even though... Um, wanting to go to sea wasn't necessarily bad. He realized that he hadn't treated his parents with the respect that perhaps they, they deserved or that he knew they deserved. Mm-hmm. And he learned those lessons as he's going through his island adventures. And most of it, he's going through by himself. And so that yeah. kind of leads me um, to the place that I want to read to you. Because there's a point in... And I don't remember um, which chapter it is. Um, I think it's like six or seven, though. I'm, I know the page number on my PDF that I have in front of me is about 105. So I think that's like um, chapter six or seven. But in this... Um, in this chapter, he's really starting to get down on himself for being lost on an island and 
not really knowing what to do and just being grumpy because he's by himself and he didn't expect to be shipwrecked. And I guess one of the things that I was surprised about with the book is he, this wasn't his first voyage. Like, he actually um, had, like, three voyages, and the first one he comes back from, the second one mm-hmm. he ends up um, staying on an island somewhere and actually starting somewhat of a farm and then deciding to leave it so that he can go on another voyage, and which is the one where he finally gets stuck for about, you know, I don't know, a good 30 years or so. But as he is, um, as he's starting to feel bad, he says this, I now began to consider seriously my condition and the circumstances I was reduced to, and I drew up the state of my affairs in writing, not so much to leave them to any that were to come after me, for I was likely to have but few heirs, as to deliver my thoughts from daily pouring over them, and afflicting my mind, and as my reason began now to master my despondency, I began to comfort myself as well as I could, and to set the good against the evil, that I might have something to distinguish my case from worse. And I stated very impartially, like debtor and creditor, the comforts I enjoyed against the miseries suffered thus. Evil. I am cast upon a horrible, desolate island, void of all hope of recovery. Good, but I am alive and not drowned, as all my ship's company were. Evil, I am singled out and separated, as it were, from all the world to be miserable. Good, but I am singled out from all the ship's crew to be spared from death, and he that miraculously saved me from death can deliver me from this condition. Evil, I am divided from mankind, a solitaire, one banished from human society. Good, but I am not starved, and perishing on a barren place, affording no sustenance. Evil, I have no clothes to cover me. Good, but I am in a hot climate where if I had clothes, I could hardly wear them. Evil, I am without defense or means to resist any violence of man or beast. Good, but I am cast on an island where I see no wild beasts to hurt me, as I saw on the coast of Africa, and what if I have been shipwrecked then? Evil, I have no soul to speak to or relieve me. Good, but God hath wonderfully sent the ship in, near enough to the shore, that I have got out as many necessity, th- necessary things, as will either supply my wants or enable me to supply myself, as long as I live. Upon the whole, here was an undoubted testimony that there was scarce any condition in the world so miserable, but there was something negative or something positive to be thankful for in it. And let this stand as a direction from the experience of the most miserable of all conditions in this world, that we may always find in it something to comfort ourselves from, and to set in the description of good and evil, and on the credit side of the account. And I just thought those were pretty powerful words for this book, Robinson Crusoe, and I'm pretty sure this wasn't classified as a Christian book. It was just the worldview from which Daniel Defoe wrote, and mm-hmm. it it really was an amazing uh, literary experience for me. And that brings me to the story that I want to share about reading this book. Um, typically, as I said to you, um, when I started this book club, I try to get these books... I try to get these books out of the library 
and read them in book form. And then uh, that way I can slow down and be reading. Because I like audiobooks too, but I try to read them in book form. So I got a large print edition of Robinson Crusoe out of the library and began to read it. And I also, as I got into it and realized that it was a little bit harder to read, I decided to listen to the LibriVox recording while I was reading the book. Well, I got to the part in the book because I had the uh, because I was listening to the recording where it was talking about these blessings that I just read to you, and I started looking for them in the text of the large print book that I had, and I couldn't find them anywhere. They just weren't there. So, mm-hmm. And I also looked in another edition that we had in the house of Robinson Crusoe that I'm pretty sure was supposed to be unabridged, and it wasn't there either. So I think that a lot of, some publishers anyway, have have abridged a lot of God out of the out of the book and published it as unabridged anyway. So that's something to be aware of when you pick up a copy of Robinson Crusoe. And if you're interested to know, if you type Robinson Crusoe PDF into Google, you can find the PDF that I just read from. And it's a complete and unabridged PDF, and it lines up perfectly with the LibriVox recording. I, the chapter headings were a little different in the... or or the chapter setups were a little bit different in the large print edition, too, so I'm not sure what was going on there. But um, as soon as I realized that part was gone, I took it back to the library and told them. Um, I don't know if they responded in any way to my mom when she let them know that, but then from that point on, I was listening to the LibriVox and reading the PDF. Mm -hmm. And LibriVox is free. So listen for free. So and and the thing is, God becomes an even more important part of the book as it goes on. So mm-hmm. they, they would have they would have to edit a whole lot of uh, the book out if they were going to continue their editing streak. So I'd be very yeah, his whole his whole um, witnessing to Friday. Well, because first whole part first he's he's reading the Bible and and you know because my first thought is he's just reading the Bible and. Which is good, but he he hasn't really made a personal decision. And then he starts talking about being forgiven from sin and trusting Jesus Christ. And I'm like, this is Robinson Crusoe. And they're talking about Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And they're talking about the gospel. And I'm like, this is so great. And I got so excited and continued to read. And it was just very exciting. Um, And uh, I just finished it last night. And now I'm in here reviewing it with you all. And I would just wholeheartedly encourage you to read it. Um, just be careful of the edition that you get. Um, mm-hmm. Because the important stuff is there if you get the actual complete and unabridged version. All right. Uh, well, the next question to go on to, and, and I agree with Naomi that uh, probably the biggest lesson in this book is redemption because because we see him realizing as he's stuck on this island all by himself what really is important in life. And, you know, he talks in that list that I read about the ship that was near the shore that he was able to get supplies off of. 
And there's actually a couple of different ships where he's able to get supplies. Um, so God really took care of him. And among those mm-hmm. supplies were three Bibles. And he set, he set out to begin reading the Bible every day. And that's when he came to know Jesus. And so mm-hmm. it just, it just kind of underscores the fact that you don't have to be preached at all the time to believe the gospel. A lot of times, if you've ever listened to the radio drama Unshackled, you'll find that the people on there, they will be witnessed to five or six or even a dozen times before they finally realize that they need to pick up a Bible and do business with God themselves. So I just think mm-hmm. that's an, a really exciting thing and how even a novel like Robinson Crusoe can uh, can uh, bring that to, to fruition. So... Um, my favorite story is probably when he finds the Bibles and that from the time that he finds the Bibles, it becomes such a prom- prominent part of the, of the book. Because there's a lot of ups and downs. This is another reason why um, I compare it to Pilgrim's Progress because he'll be going along rejoicing that he knows God and that God is taking care of him. And then he'll get really angry for being, still being on the island and being like, how could this happen? If God was real, why would he allow this to happen? And he'd start getting really angry and want to do something fierce. And then God would rein him back in. And and how like the Christian life is that for us? So, Naomi, mm-hmm. do you have any thoughts on your favorite story or maybe a portion of the book that specifically spoke to you? Well, as you know, like one of my nieces, she's had a lot of health problems. Um, we've had some other, you know, uh, issues in our family, like health things and all that. And so um, the part where, and so that, it's just been a very hard, the last year was really difficult. But during that time, we saw lots of people um, maybe not coming to know the Lord, but they're like, you know, I'm praying every day. And these are people that maybe didn't do that before. You know what I mean? So through... Um, faith, sickness. And so there's there's just a part, though, where he says that, um, you know, it's easy to focus on the negative. Um, and if may, and then you, you know, but if you look, God is in control. If you consider that God is in control, and then you can start to see the positives. And although that doesn't mean that it's not difficult, but um, when we look at the fact that God's in control, and He loves us. Um, even just that is a good thing. And I, I like that part where He's starting to realize, you know, my life. Like you said, He's complaining, and then He realizes, you know what? I have food. I have a home. You know. <laughs> so. I thought it was kind of funny. You know, I usually ask what's humorous about this book, and I, yeah. I, I deliberately omitted that question. But now that I think about it, one of the funnier things about this book is that he starts talking about his two homes. Yeah. And, you know, he basically yeah. he basically built two different living areas for himself on the island. So he was, yeah. ki- was kind of living like a king, or at least as much as he could live like a king. And then later, but, through a series of events, he gets, I think, what is it, up to seven, up to six or seven subjects, he says, in his little yeah. kingdom. So yeah. And and for those for those um, boys in our audience who are um, older or younger teens, 
and they like um, battle scenes. There's a couple of those here. So mm-hmm. there really is um, kind of stuff for everybody. So um, Yeah. A, a part I thought was funny was when he gets too many cats. Oh. <laughs> and he's oh. just like, oh, okay, now I've got too many. <laughs> and you, know what, you know what's interesting about that, too, is my mom was just lamenting the other day that we have too many cats. Cause, yeah. Because usually, yeah. usually we get a bunch of cats and then uh, a bunch of them die over the winter. So it kind of balances out. And she's like, yep. I thought a bunch of them would die this past winter. And when she first said that, it <laughs> sounded so weird. Because usually, if it was any other animal but cats, she wouldn't want it to die. But since it's a cat, yep. and they're kind of a dime a dozen. So it's kind of yeah. interesting. Even on this deserted island, Robinson Crusoe's talking about having so many cats and wondering if he should shoot any or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they became a nuisance, he says. So, uh, and um, it's interesting that even in his desertion, Friday shows up, and uh, yes. he gives Friday the gospel, and then I forget what he he said. Friday was a Protestant. He said one of the one of his servants was an atheist, and I forget the other terms that he used. But it was just interesting that the different personalities that were written into that book so i I think it'll Mm -hmm. be exciting for anybody um who picks it up and yeah uh, i I definitely found myself rooting for robinson crusoe so the did you find a character to root for that one's kind of obvious but there Mm -hmm. weren't too many characters in the book and the sad part is by the time he gets off the island his parents are dead so he was not able to reconcile with them so I think there would be a lesson there, too, about reconciling with your parents if you are having difficulties with them. Because mm-hmm. you don't know how much time you'll have. All right. Um, was there anything particularly surprising for you about this book, Naomi? Um, just how long he was on the island. I know that's kind of a simple thing, but I think there's a part of you that's like, okay, now he's going to get rescued, you know? <laughs> so, But that's what made it good. Yeah, it, it is, and, and you, I think one of the things that surprised me about it was that even though he was on the island so long, and by himself, it was still an interesting read. Mm-hmm, um, the, mm-hmm. the irony, I agree. Because the irony to me is the, 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 the most of the stuff that's in Robinson Crusoe is narrative, and as a writer myself, I found that to be very easy to write. But at mm-hmm. the same time, very boring at times to read. That's the irony of it. Is I know that if I if I want to start writing novels, which I hope to do in the near future, then I have to get better with my dialogue, my character development, so that I'm not just writing 40 pages of narrative for everybody to read, which I don't like to read myself. When I was a teenager especially, I would often skip large sections of narrative so I could get to the dialogue. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, it is easier to, to write narrative than it is to write dialogue, which is one reason why I like my one, my first-person narrative dramatic readings that I write, because they're so much easier to write than to write for multiple characters. So, but... uh Yep. No, I agree. And I know um, AJ was actually listening to it um, on the audio, like you... 
And he said that in the beginning it was a little difficult because it is uh, one-person narrative. So there's not, you know, the the reader doesn't have different voices and um, personalities. But once once you get past the first few chapters, just hang on. Cause he said once you get past the first few chapters, um, it, it, like, sucked them in, so to speak. So. And I actually appreciated that LibriVox had a really good reader who was kind of a run-of-the-mill American reader. Because a lot yeah. of times with books, especially like Robinson Crusoe, they like to dignify it up by making a Brit read it or whatever. Yeah. And, and I, I have nothing against Brits, okay? But they tend to put me to sleep when I'm listening to, listening to them read books. I've always said yeah. that I wish I could find a recording where an American reads Jane Austen. Because I like Jane Austen mm-hmm. books, but usually the narrators are hard to listen to because they tend to make me sleepy. But uh, anyway, that's just an aside. If we, if, we end <laughs> yeah. up, if we end up reading a Jane Austen book in the future for the book club, because we haven't done that yet, then mm-hmm. that may come to bear. We'll see what's on LibriVox or whatever. There probably is some because they're pretty widely available. So, But anyway, yeah. all in all, I think this was a was an awesome book and overall it's not that long of a book anyway it's 20 chapters i think it's um on pdf it was 487 pages but i think that's a little bit different format than a regular book so i think it's kind Mm -hmm. of standard book like 250 to 300 pages so i think it's fairly readable especially for the classic and uh i think that people will really um enjoy it so is there anything you'd like to say to kind of put a ribbon on our discussion and to tell people why they should read this book? I was pleasantly but surprised by it, and I think you will be too. Um, if you don't want to read it, give it a listen. Like I said, it's, um, it's free online, and like you said, you can find the PDF online. So, yeah, give it a listen. Oh, because the other thing is, you if you want to, because what I did was I went, I actually found it on YouTube. The LibriVox recording was on YouTube. Oh. It was on YouTube as a single video. And the cool thing was that if you're signed into YouTube, it will save, it will save your spot. So I signed oh, in, So I signed into YouTube and it saved my spot. So when I had to leave and go do something else, I could go right back to where I was. And you can also, mm-hmm. you can also adjust the speed to 1.5 or two times the speed if you need to get it done faster. That's what I did last night for the last few <laughs> chapters. I was listening to it fast so I could get done. And it's still clear. As long as you feel like you can focus, it's still very clear. Sure. So it's, sure. Not, it's not like Chickmunk like it would have been in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, oh, it's been... Good to know. Well, it's been great uh, talking to you about this book, Naomi, and hopefully yeah. um, our next book is going to be When Calls the Heart, which is a Janelle mm-hmm. classic, um, which actually inspired a series on Hallmark, which I happen to enjoy. But I'm pretty sure that um, there's a lot of divergence. But I'm excited to um, read this book, and actually I got a chance to meet Jeanette Oak several years ago because I went to a musical version of When Calls the Heart on stage at Cornerstone University and she did an author signing of that book for me. And so that was really cool. So I'm excited to read it again after all these years. 
and we it should be a little bit faster between recording sessions this time because the classic is out of the way and that's the hard one to read <laughs> so yep and hopefully naomi's truck and my van will be fixed by then and all three of us will be on the road at the same time yes that'll be Amen. very good <laughs> so we'll catch up with you soon naomi thank you for being here today yeah thank you have a great night all right well that's our show for today folks um i hope that you had a wonderful time listening to us talk about this great book and I hope that you'll pick it up and read it and make sure it is the bonafide, complete and unabridged with no crazy edits. All right. Have a great day and a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 